Welcome to Hook, Line, and Splitter, a Jersey Shore Blue Claws podcast. Hook, Line, and Splitter is presented by NJR Home Services. And now, here's your host, Greg Giambarisi. Good day, everybody. I'm Greg Giambarisi. Thanks for tuning in. Hook, Line, and Splitter, a Jersey Shore Blue Claws podcast. It's a very special week because this week we will for the first time in a while, 208 days, have Jersey Shore Blue Claws baseball here at the freshly rebranded Shore Town Ballpark. Same address, two stadium way in Lakewood. Same great fun, uh, just a new name here at Shore Town Ballpark. This podcast, of course, bowls along, and today we're going to welcome in the manager of the Jersey Shore Blue Claws, Keith Werman. Uh, we taped this on Friday, the, the roster, on, uh, excuse me, we taped this on Sunday uh, earlier this week, but the, the roster, for whatever the reason, um, not released uh, until today. So uh, that's why we have to kind of put this on hold. But now that it's uh, it's out there, it's official, uh, we can go through this, uh, this group of 32 guys that will break camp with the Blue Claws uh, and play for the first-year manager, Keith Werman. And we'll get to Keith in just a quick moment. So the Blue Claws will be uh, 66 games at home, 66 on the road, 132. You can watch them all this year on MILB. TV. Philly's future is here with MILB.TV. With all home games and most road games streamed live, the only way to watch the Blue Claws on any device this season is MILB-TV. Subscribe today to watch over 6,500 games, including all available playoff games from over 100 minor league baseball teams live or on demand. Download the MILB First Pitch app from the Google Play or Apple App Store to watch on the go. Use the promo code BLUECLAWS at checkout to save $10 on a yearly subscription. Visit MILB.TV for details today. So... Uh, MILB TV, that is um, live and ready to go. Go there, MILB.TV, $49 for the year. You'll save 10 though, so only 39 when you use the promo code BLUECLAWS at checkout. This Blue Claws opening day roster has five of the top nine prospects in the system per MLB pipeline, headlined, of course, by... Starting pitcher Mick Abel, he'll throw Saturday in game two of the season. First-round pick in 2020 from Jesuit High School in Portland, Oregon. Outfielder Johan Rojas is four, and he is a, uh, a young outfielder, 21 years of age, from the Dominican Republic, Made uh, had a cup of coffee with the Blue Claws at the tail end of last year. And then you have Luis Garcia, Ethan Wilson, and Griff McGarry Garcia, middle infielder. He's the only player on the 40-man roster. In fact, I believe he's the first Blue Claw ever on the 40-man roster. Blue Claws didn't have anybody on the 40-man last year, and they, they wouldn't have when they were in uh, in low A for the first 20 years. Uh, he's number seven in the system. Ethan Wilson was a second-round pick last year out of the University of South Alabama. He's eight, a uh, left-handed power hitter. And then number nine, Griff McGarry, right-hander, uh, 6'2", from the University of Virginia, an alma mater that he shares with his manager, Keith Werman. So... Let's uh, let's hear from the boss. Keith Werman is the first-year manager of the Jersey Shore Blue Claws. We'll talk about spring training. We'll go through uh, this roster. He's raring to go, and we will uh, hear from the manager of the Jersey Shore Blue Claws right after this. NJR Home Services, when it comes to your comfort, trust your home to the local heating and cooling experts. That's NJR Home Services at njrhomeservices.com. The manager of the Jersey Shore Blue Claws, Keith Werman. Opening night for the Jersey Shore Blue Claws set for Friday night, Aberdeen will be in town. We're happy to be joined by the new Blue Claws manager, Keith Werman, who joins us from Clearwater before the team 
flies up north. Keith, welcome. How are you? I'm doing well, Greg. Thanks for having me on here. So you're, um, you know, you get hired a couple of months ago, first spring training with the Phillies. How did everything go? Oh, man, it was great. Uh, you know, it's it was really nice to, to get to know the players, spend some time around them, uh, you know, get a feel for them. And uh, obviously love getting out on the field and working with those guys. So it was, it was nice to get some nice sunny, sunny, warm weather and, and really put in some good work. And, and these guys are ready to go. So how many, how many, you guys were down there, I know you were down there like mid-February-ish. When did the minor league guys get down there? I know some of them were there early because of the lockout, um, mm-hmm. which was going on. So they got some extra work. How did the whole spring kind of lay out? When did you guys start playing games? Uh, we didn't start playing games till probably the middle of, middle of March. Um, we had a, a good, a good week, week and a half of workouts as a group. And, um, you know, we got about, I want to say about 12 or 13 games in and, uh, yeah, it was definitely, definitely nice to see them out there playing. So I guess big picture, how would you kind of describe the the group? I know you have some younger guys, you have some older veteran types. It seems like a pretty well-balanced group of 30 plus guys. Yeah, we've, we've got a, a pretty special group, to be honest. Uh, a lot of talent, uh, which is going to be fun to work with and, and a lot of versatility too. I think mean, you look at, you look at our outfield, those guys will be able to play everywhere. Um, our infield's super versatile as well, and and our pitching staff is is very strong. So, uh, you know, great great young men to work with, and excited to work with them. We'll we'll bounce around a little bit. I get we'll we'll save the pitchers. We'll do the position players first. Um, I know you have a, a few guys here, but I want to start with with Johan Rojas. We saw him at the end of last year uh, for a few weeks. He was uh, very impressive in a in a short time with the Blue Claws. You know, there was some media banter that he might even get to go to Reading, um, but he's here. What did what you see from him this spring? Oh, man, you talk about a spark plug for your lineup. Uh, just, he, you know, defensively, he's, he tracks down everything, uh, you know, and, and offensively, he's just a great, great guy to have at the top part of your lineup to, to set the tone for your club. And, and uh, he's electric and, and can do a lot of really special things. And, um, you know, he's a, a threat on the bases, just a threat overall across the par- all parts of the game. And, uh, a great one to have at the, at the top. When we spoke a couple of months ago or weeks ago, um, you said you kind of wanted to run a little bit more. I know, or run a little bit this year. Uh, I know that they have the bigger bases, which kind of shortens the distance between each base. I know the, they meaning major league baseball, they want you guys to try to run and push mm-hmm. things uh, a little bit. I know Rojas can fly. Casey Martin can fly. Luis Garcia can run a little bit too. You know, how, how would you assess kind of the overall team speed? It seems like you got some really good base dealers. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a fun group on the bases, that's for sure. And and you know, it's a definitely a, a part of the game we're going to emphasize is you know a very important part of the game. Um, and we're going to have a chance to win ball games because of it. And uh, I'm excited to to utilize their speed and their their abilities to run the bases, and and we'll definitely be aggressive. That's for sure. You know, I know a lot of managers and coaches like to talk about having a kind of a balanced group. You don't want to be too young. You don't want to be too old. You know, in, in your outfield, you have Rojas, who's very young. You have two college outfielders, Baron Radcliffe and Ethan Wilson, plus Carlos De La Cruz, who's been around for a few years now. Um, so what about some of those other pieces that will play in the outfield surrounding uh, Rojas, like Wilson and Radcliffe, two guys that played very well at uh, Division One collegiate level? Yeah, that, you know, the- having played college balls, you know, you learn a lot of, a lot of skills with the game. Obviously they, they play the game to win at that level. And, uh, um, you know, just my time around those guys, they, 
they're very knowledgeable at the game already. Um, you know, you say they're experienced and they're still young as well. Uh, but, you know, they're they're going to be great to have around, uh, surround each other with the young guys and the older guys and, and just their experience uh, through college and, and the discipline and, and just what it takes to play at that level. Is, it's uh, it's a different animal. So it's, um, you know, I'm excited for, for Johan to learn with those guys and work with them and and, uh, you know, my hope is that they can all come together and, and we can compete and do, and do some special things. Luis Garcia was here in 2019. He was the youngest player in the low A South Atlantic League, not in the high A South Atlantic League, but the low A South Atlantic League in 2019. He was one of the youngest players in the league, came back a, a little bit at the end of last year. Now he's here this year. And finally, he's kind of in a spot where he's not, you know, the youngest guy or even one of the five or ten youngest guys in the league, he's a little more experienced. How, how have you, how did, how did he grow over the spring? Um, you know, we've seen him grow over, over the years. How did you see him grow the spring? Yeah. You know, I think there's a lot that comes with uh, spending some time on the major league side of spring training. Um, you know, he got a little taste of, of what that entails and uh, you know, being around those big leaguers that that's a, that's a different experience. And, and for him, when he came down and he was ready to work and ready to compete and um, you know, he's got a chance to really, take this team over and, and really take a, a really nice leadership role and, and uh, you know, challenge himself a little bit and, and, and push and push his guys with them. And um, I'm, I'm really excited for him. It'll be, I think you're going to see a lot of special things out of him this year. So with Casey Martin here too, uh, I assume what they're both going to play second. They're both going to play some short. Yeah. I'll have them mixing up. up the yeah. Middle for sure. yeah. Well, Gar- I know Garcia spent a few years with Jonathan Guzman turning double plays and he yeah. spent some time last summer with Casey Martin turning double plays. You guys, are, I, I know the two of them are going to turn some pretty six four three four six three. However, it works out because both of them can pick it. Uh, they can both run. They can both throw. Yeah, gonna, I mean they're going to be a big help for your nineteen pitchers. Oh, uh, no question, no question. You know, as as good as our pitching is, it's it's going to be fun to have a, a really nice defense behind them. And um, you know, as a, as a former middle infielder myself, it's it's going to be a lot of fun to work with those guys. I almost, you know, I, I'm it's going to be hard for me to not go out there and take ground balls with them. So, uh, you know, I'm really excited for those two, uh, you know, build a really good relationship with each other and, and get on the same page and, and turn some really nice double plays. It'll be fun to see. Nick Torres and DJ Stewart both finished last year here. DJ was here for probably three and a half, four months. Torres was here for a month. He reached base in all 27 games that he played with the blue claws last year, really finished great, played all over the place. Um, I think he's played everywhere on the, I think he played everywhere in the field last year, except um, pitcher and catcher. And then DJ can play in the corner, uh, both corners and, and swing the bat. Well, and then you have McCarthy Tatum. Where do those guys all fit in um, with your corner spots? And I know Torres can play in the middle too. Yeah, no, I, you know, you definitely, definitely see both DJ and, and McCarthy covering the corners for me. Um, as far as, you know, who gets what days here and there, we'll, we'll figure that out as we go, but. Um, you know, lo- love those guys, how they work. And, um, and uh, Torres, you know, super utility man. He'll, he'll be able to do everything. So I think you'll get a taste of him at all positions, uh, not on the mound, not behind the plate, but, um, you know, definitely see him in a very super utility role. And there's, there's a ton of value in that in, this, in, in baseball. Um, you know, being able to play all multiple positions, being in the lineup arguably every day, uh, giving other guys a, a, a day off off the field. So, um, there, there's going to be a lot of expectations out of him, and I'm, I'm excited for him to, to challenge him for, you know, getting comfortable playing every position. Uh, that's that's not easy, and uh, it's, it'll be good. When I got the roster, I thought, you know, just going through it, 
I thought I figured when I was typing them all out, I thought that Mick Abel would be the youngest player, and he was first on the list in alphabetical order. But then when you get down to the catchers, Andrick Nava is six, seven weeks, six weeks younger than Mick Abel is. He played two games, Nava did. Uh, last year he had shoulder surgery, and obviously nobody played in 2020. So you're talking about a guy who hasn't really played a lot in two years and never really played at all in low A. He skips over low A um, to be the youngest player on this team here in, in high A. So that certainly stands out to me. I've never seen him play, obviously. But what did he do this spring to earn a spot here? Because that seems like a pretty aggressive placement. Yeah, it's, you know, he was definitely a, a fun one to have and to be able to put in the lineup in spring training. Um, you know, he he, want, he wants to play. And, um, you know, he challenged the organization and said, I, I want to get out there and play. Give me an opportunity. And, um, you know, you throw him in the lineup and he gets the job done. You know, you ask him to do certain things. He interacts with his pitching staff really well. Um, he, he goes up to the plate and battles really well from both sides, uh, puts together great quality at bats all the time. And, and you can't ask for anything more than that, especially out of a catcher when, you know, the defensive side of the game is, is just as important, if not more important than, than the offensive side. So, um, you know, there's a great opportunity for him. He's going to learn a ton. Uh, we have a lot of experience in our, in our other two catchers in, in Matera and Ellison, and, and he's going to learn a ton with those guys. And, um, you know, hopefully this is an opportunity for him to grow and, and really impact and help help this club. Yeah, Nick Matera's been around. He's played at every level in the minors over the last couple of years. Carl Ellison just joined the Phillies uh, at the beginning of March. He played in independent ball in Lake Erie the last two years. The, between the three of them, they're going to have to handle 19, uh, 19, one nine pitchers that you guys have. So I know that'll be mostly Brad's, uh, Brad Bergeson, the pitching coaches, um, Ballywick there, but, you know, 19 pitchers, how do you approach that? And how do you guys plan to split up all those innings here over the first few weeks of April? Yeah, oh, man, that's going to be – that's a head-scratcher for sure. <laughs> no, you know, it's – fortunately, they're, they're all strong strong candidates to be able to pitch on a daily basis. I mean, it's – it's that's going to be a challenge. You're going to look at the whole list, and you could throw anybody in any scenario. So, um, you know, it's it's very exciting to have all of that. Um, you know, and it'll be a nice challenge. And, and my hope is that I can get those guys out there and really show what they can do and um, give, you know, obviously play to win and, and, and give ourselves a chance to win every night. So um, I'm sure we'll see a nice rotation of, of guys and, um, you know, hope, hope to get them out there and, and give them a shot. Are they going to piggy do like piggyback pairings? I know the, the Phillies have done that in the past. Obviously it's a new, uh, you know, development team with the, with the Phillies. How, how are you going to handle the starters? Yeah, I think early on, uh, as far as workload, we're, we're, I think we're keeping it pretty light. You know, coming out of spring training, those the starters haven't thrown much uh, as far as innings. Um, so I'm sure we'll, we'll keep that a little bit light early on in the year. Um, as far as like piggybacking and whatnot, we, we might have one here or there. Um, but for the most part, it'll be pretty, pretty traditional. Um, with, the, with the six games in a week, with the off day, um, I think we're looking at possibly a six-man rotation. Um, obviously, with the numbers, it, that, that would make sense. Um, you know, there's obviously a lot of stuff we're still working through and, and, and see how hopefully everybody come out healthy here this, in, the, in the first couple of weeks and, and keep it rolling with that. So let's go to the top alphabetically and on everybody's excitement list, I guess, with the with this roster. And that's with Mick Abel, um, who was the first time pick a couple of years back from Portland, Oregon. Uh, what did you see from him this spring? Obviously, he had a, good, a really nice um, debut last year with, with Clearwater. Uh, what strides did you see him make over the course of the spring? 
Yeah, he's just electric. You know, everything he throws to the plates, electric. And and you you look at his motion, and he's got the he's got the lengthy you know lanky body, nice and loose, and and everything you you envision out of a out of a, a dominant pitcher. You know, progressing into the big leagues, and um, you know he locates the ball really well and and super poised. You know, I thought that was really impressive uh, from from my experience with him this spring. Just very low key, low heartbeat. Um, you know, and it definitely stands out as, as a special, special guy on the mound. So, um, you know, excited to have him on, on the bump at least once a week and uh, look forward to seeing more of him. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing, seeing him throw as well. Should be, a, should certainly be very exciting. Uh, I know you had, you have Griff McGarry too, who we saw a little bit at the end of last year. He has electric stuff too. Uh, he's yeah. older. He pitched at, at Virginia. Uh, he was in the upper 90s when we saw him at the end of, uh, at the end of last year, you know, he's a guy that I'm sure if he went to Reading tomorrow, he'd be just fine. How was his spring? Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. You know, and I, I didn't get a chance to see much of him. Uh, he was with the older group, um, you know, but um, shoot, a former Cavalier. So I'm excited to, I, I followed That's right. him. That's right. I'm sorry. I, I You oh, know what? I should have, I, I forgot. That's my fault. <laughs> All good. That's no, my no, no, fault. Yeah. Uh, no, you know, I, I had a chance, obviously I followed him through his college career and, and, I'm really excited to have him, you know, to, to be able to coach for him and, um, and to work with him and, and be able to put him on the bump for us. So uh, definitely, definitely electric stuff as well. And, and nice power arm and um, looking forward to challenge him a, a little bit and, and get him up and moving. We know the broadcast ratings will be high in Charlottesville, the, the AC pitches and you go give him the ball there. <laughs> sure. We got, we'll get, we got to get a picture of uh we got to get a good picture of you, of you two, the two Virginia guys. That'll be yeah, that'll be great. That'll, that'll be, be a great. lot of fun. That'll be a lot of fun. I, I just uh, just touch on some other guys quick. I uh, I don't want to keep you in. There's obviously so many. Um, but we saw we saw Ben Brown here last last two years, and unfortunately, you know, I think it was four games in nineteen, and then four games in twenty one, and you know he was the opening night starter last year, and he threw four really good innings, struck out six, and just dynamic stuff, and he got hurt. So hopefully he can stay healthy. You know, big six six guy that throws really hard. You know, if he, if he can stay healthy, what kind of pitcher can he can he be? What kind of year can he have? Oh shoot! I mean, you talk about top of the rotation guy as well. I mean, superpower stuff. Really impressive so far this spring. And and you know, I'm again, I'm excited. You know, for all for all these guys. But um, you know, I'm excited for Ben to get out there and, and hopefully, like you said, we can keep him healthy and 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 get him moving along as well. Another guy back from injuries, Andrew Schultz. Uh, he he's been out basically two years because 2020, and then uh, he didn't pitch at all last year because he had Tommy John surgery. You have Jason Ruffcorn, who is a reliever out of the University of Oklahoma. Some other guys um, in the pen, but you know, on those two, I, they're as far as I know, right? They're both pretty hard throwers that you'll have at the back of a pen. Most definitely, yeah, and and you know, it's it's uh, some really good arms out of the bullpen and, and, you know, I'm excited to challenge them a little bit and, and put them in some pretty, uh, you know, high leverage situations and see how they can handle it. And, um, you know, I, obviously, you know, I'm confident that they're going to, they're going to produce and, and come through and help, help this club. And, um, you know, excited, to excited to throw them out there. When, when we spoke before, um, you know, you said you hadn't really gone through and looked at the players you had just been hired like days or whatever before the, uh, before we had spoken, but before you end up going down to Florida in mid February, how much work and background had you done on the players as a way to 
kind of prep or did you want to go in kind of clean with a blank slate in your mind so you weren't, you know, kind of biased with any preconceived notions? Yeah, I went to honestly, I went into a little bit uh, more of a blank, blank slate and, and kind of sit back and, and stay quiet and kind of observe and, and take it all in, you know, through, through my own eyes. And um, obviously there were some guys, some staff and, and whatnot within the organization that had been here in the past. And, and you hear, you hear from their perspectives, but, you know, I try to keep it as much as open as possible and, and get a good understanding of who these, who these young men are and, um, you know, start to start to build some relationships and, and get a good feel for these guys. I know you worked closely with Preston Mattingly, the new farm director, when you guys were together with the Padres over the last few seasons. How did everything go for him? You know, he kind of got the same kind of crash course when he came on in, in October he's building out staffs and they're going through players and, and, and all that. How is, yeah. how did everything go with him his first spring and your first spring together with the Phillies? Yeah, he, he's done a phenomenal job. I mean, you get thrown into the fire right out of the chute and you, you got to, you know, as far as my responsibilities, multiply that by a hundred for him and uh, you know, having to understand and learn from the, learn who the players are and the staff and, and running the organization on the minor league side. I mean, that, that takes a lot and, and a lot of lost sleep and, uh, you know, kudos to him and, and for all the hard work he's done. And, you know, I think we've we've done a really nice job to set the tone for the organization, you know, on the minor league side of what's expected. And uh, it's fun to fun to be a part of that. I know they're going to experiment, as we talked about briefly before, with some new rules in the minor leagues this year. Uh, you said you did a lot of the defensive positioning of the infielders with the Padres over the last few years. So you have kind of an interesting perspective. What are your thoughts on the no shift rule? that you'll be playing with this summer? Oh, man. <laughs> a lot of people are, are mixed on that one, you know. And uh, me, me personally, I, I do like the shift. Um, you know, it's it'll be interesting to see how this plays out for for eliminating the shift at the lower levels from double-A down. And, um, you know, I, I'm okay either way. You know, I, I just want to see good baseball at the end of the day. And, and uh, you know, if this is a, an avenue to help, you know, draw more interest in the game and, and make this game great. Like I'm all for it. So um, that's, that's kind of where I, where I'm at for that one. We got two left-handed power hitters and Baron Radcliffe and Ethan Wilson that I imagine probably pretty happy, right? Yeah. You know, I haven't talked to them <laughs> on that, but um, you know, I, I'm sure they can't complain when, when you, when you barrel, when you barrel a ball in that four hole there and, and it, it's taken away for an out, you know, it's, that can be tough, but um you know, I'm, I'm sure they're they're going to be excited to have a, a few more holes there on the full side. The other one is the is the we talked about the the larger bases, and you know, you said you want to run. You have a team that that can really run. I think at least in a few spots. The other one is the pitch clock. Did you guys use that at all in the spring? Uh, you know, I think the the umpires were monitoring it. Um, I ran a stopwatch every once in a while just to kind of see where we're at, and I don't see it being too much of a of a hiccup throughout this throughout the season. Um, maybe early on. If, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Yep. Um, for the most part, it, it stays pretty true. And uh, we might have a few guys here or there that might need to, to you know, pick up the tempo just, just a bit. But I don't see it being too much of an issue. Yeah, I've been here for a while. I don't. It, it never struck me as a major concern at, at this level, at least. Obviously, at the, the higher levels, um, everybody says it was it was needed to kind of keep the keep yeah. the pace going and, and they've had it. They've used it up there at double A AA and triple A for a few years. We'll use it here for the first time on Friday. So uh, your first opening night as manager, um, you excited. What are your emotions here as you get set to 
to pack up and uh, and head north. Yeah, I'm I'm very excited. It's uh, you know, it's the first chance to manage and first game, and and we'll see we'll see what happens. But uh, I'll definitely be bundled up in a nice big coat. Uh, it's gonna be you know, you not. I mean, you might not be. I, I looked. And now we're taping this on Sunday night, and you guys are flying up tomorrow. But it is it does say sixty three on Friday. Now, granted, it's a seven o'clock game, so I'm sure it'll be a little chilly, and it does get windy. And I, I, I really hope I didn't jinx it. That was probably I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> we'll see. We'll but see. We've Maybe had a little bit of rain coming too. We'll see. Well, this week, but I, I early, think the hope is that it week. clears out. Yeah, early in the week, and then it'll clear out by Friday. You know, we've had some doozies uh, over the years. Sean Williams, who's Reading's manager. His first game here in 2015, it was about 38 degrees with a 30-mile-an-hour wind blowing in from center field. And the one thing about this park, and I don't know how much you've talked to Tank or Sean or Rafael DeLima or whoever else is down there that's been here, but the wind wind will blow a little bit, and it usually blows in from right center, and it's kind of this big – it could be a really bad wind tunnel. Well, Sean's first game, it was – about 38 degrees with, I mean, I mean, I'm telling you, it was like 30, 20, 25 to 30 mile an hour wind blowing straight in the whole game. Nobody could score. Um, it was one, one and Carlos Tochi, who was at the time, I think that was his, that might've been his first year. Well, maybe not. Well, he was a young guy from Venezuela. He hit this little like cue shot up the middle in the ninth inning that scored a run. And I'm positive. Everybody was happier that they could go home. Then that they they were happy, they were more excited about being able to get the heck out of there than they were that they won the game. Yeah, I'll never be convinced otherwise. Uh, <laughs> that was a brutal one. We had one where like flurries on opening night, going way back. Um, but hopefully this this year we get nice weather. Last year was uh, it was sunny. Unfortunately, we had all the restrictions and everything, but it was yeah. sunny enough and it, it was acceptable weather. But it was also well, last year was May fourth though because we started late. Started um, late. Yeah. Yeah. So, but April 8th this year, it looks okay for now. Hopefully it will, uh, awesome. it will stay that way. So, all right, have oh. a safe flight up. Thank you for a few minutes. We will, uh, we'll see you soon. And I uh, can't wait to get this thing started. Me too. Now very excited. Build out a summer of fun with your own 2022 Jersey Shore Blue Claws mini plan. Five of the best games of the year. Plus you'll get dinner and dessert at each game. Boardwalk game tickets at each game. An exclusive season ticket holder gift. Complimentary tickets to opening night at the Jersey Shore, April 8th, presented by Jenkinson's Boardwalk 2. Log on to BlueCloss.com slash memberships today or call 732-901-7000, option 3, and tell them hook, line, and splitter sent you. 732-901-7000, option 3, or BlueCloss.com slash memberships. Thanks to Keith Werman, the manager of the Jersey Shore Blue Claws, for a few minutes here on Hook, Line, and Splitter, a Jersey Shore Blue Claws podcast. Since 1986, Rich Green Lawns has been the leading lawn fertilization company of the Jersey Shore, providing lawn fertilization, bed weed control, tick and mosquito control, as well as tree and shrub programs. Mention this ad and save 50% off your first lawn application. Call or text us today at 732-370-5963, 732-370-5963. Tickets for Friday, Blue Claws dot com slash tickets there are a few available they're going quick there are a few fire pits available at least as i record this on um this this part of the podcast here friday morning we, we interviewed keith on sunday but we're just recording this part today uh th- excuse me thursday morning uh there are a few fire pits available those come with five tickets your own private fire pit 
They're located um, down around the left field corner, and they're a really cool spot. Uh, you know, nice Adirondack chairs, a uh, great place to watch the game out next to the sandbar down the left field line. Manasquan Bank Mini Golf Course will be open. Of course, uh, the boardwalk will be open in center field with uh, hoop shot, ring toss, cat rack, balloon darts, and goblet toss. Uh, ring toss is very hard, FYI. And then, um, you know, everything else that you could possibly want for opening night uh, on hand Friday. So opening night is presented by Jenkinson's Boardwalk. Gates open at 6 p.m. First 500, get a magnet schedule thanks to New Jersey Natural Gas. On-field pregame ceremonies will begin at 6.20. Full-team introductions around 6.45. Autumn Turner sings the national anthem, 7 o'clock. First pitch is at 7.05. Real Claw is the 5% ABV Session IPA Blue Claws beer brewed in partnership with Heavy Real Brewing Company in Seaside Heights. That'll be available at 732 Brew in the sandbar in the Blue Wave Bar upstairs. More on that in a second. And in the first and third base concession stands. The Blue Wave Bar is... Upstairs, suite level, open to every fan at every game. Great seafood options. You heard from Joe Rashuti, your Blue Claws team president, on the, the last episode. So you can check that out uh, as well. And then, of course, uh, the mini golf and the boardwalk, as we said. Fireworks will follow the game. And, of course, after every game this year, kids run the bases. Thanks to RWJ Barnabas Health. LifeStar Energy Group is a leading energy brokerage firm headquartered in New Jersey. Our goal is to provide clients with premium energy management services to lower electricity and natural gas costs and to provide a long-term energy management strategy. We pride ourselves on bringing each and every individual business the same benefits of deregulation enjoyed by universities, municipalities, and all high-volume energy users, tailored products and contracts, lower costs, personal attention, and outstanding service. Call 732-722-5880, 732-722. 5880 to learn more about Lightstar Energy Group today. That will do it for this episode of Hook, Line, and Splitter. Thanks to Blue Claws manager Keith Worman uh, for taking us through his 32-man roster. And we're set for opening night of the Jersey Shorts Friday night at First Energy at a Shore Town Ballpark, presented by Jenkinson's Boardwalk. I'm Greg Jamborisi. Have a wonderful day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Welcome back. See you soon. This is Hook, Line, and Splitter, a Jersey Shore Blue Claws podcast. Mm-hmm.